It's the Skinny Podcast, only on Local12.com. Now, here's Richard Skinner, joined by Chad Brendel of BearcatJournal.com and Rick Roaring from MusketeerReport.com. Welcome into the Skinny Podcast. It's the weekly college basketball edition, we think. I'm Richard Skinner, Local12.com, digital sports commerce and editor with Chad Brendel from BearcatJournal.com. Rick Roaring, my normal podcast partner from MusketeerReport.com. And um, I guess, fellas, let's start with this, where both UC and Xavier continue to not play. We're going on almost three weeks for both. Um, I'll start with you, Rick. I mean, where does this stand for Xavier, especially from a practice perspective, just trying to get things organized? Well, they just finally got back to the court this weekend. They did something on Friday. It wasn't really a practice. It kind of got the guys back in the gym. Saturday, there was a practice. I assume they practiced Sunday as well. We're recording this on Sunday night. Uh, That's where it's at. Like they just finally got back in the gym and I still believe they're at least one player down and one staff member down from what I understand. It sounds like Butler, who is their next opponent had a false positive in their program. So it sounds like they will get back to action this week in terms of practice. So perhaps Friday, January 29th, (laughs) They will play a game. I, I, I mean, perhaps. Yeah, we'll see. Uh, for, for UC, Chad, um, they are supposed to play Wichita this coming week. And then even if they play that game, which is still on, then their game next weekend against South Florida is off. Uh, you talk about stop, start, stop, start. I mean, this is stop for a long time, hopefully restart, and then stop again. Yeah, it's uh, it's been a rather frustrating ordeal uh, for the Bearcats right now. I, I mean – I know that there's at least a couple players and a couple staff members that have at some point in time all been going through it. Um, Last I heard, things were still paused, but uh, they're having a press conference tomorrow with John Brandon. So generally, if things were going to stay paused, I don't think they would schedule a press conference. Um, I mean, I could be wrong on that. Hell, for all we know, they could just be saying tomorrow, look, we're 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 wrapping it up. We're done. Yep. Have a good day. but I, I, you know, that I, that is said in jest. That's don't take that too seriously unless it happens. And then I nailed it. Um, <laughs> but, um, you know, it's, it's tough right now because it, you felt like you had a stretch where you could maybe get some momentum going. You lost all of those games to COVID postponed. Who knows? I, I'm sure we'll get to this, but I, I don't I don't know how they make most of these games off. no I, I don't think they do I, I Rick and I talked about this this week so I'll, I'll bring you into that conversation of it Chad I, I think we're at the stage of yeah you can make up a handful of games you're not going to make up all of them obviously but it's almost like however this shakes out just get to the finish line whatever the finish line is let's see where we're at select the teams for the tournament play the tournament and be done with it I mean it feels like it's just a race to get to the tournament I mean you're looking now at a lot of teams have 12, 15 games to play in 45 days, 30, 45, 40, you know, whatever days like that. That's, and that's, you know, not counting the time that's, that's mapped out for the conference tournament. Like it just, you're not playing games every, every two days. No, of course for, not. Right. Right. A month and a half. Correct. Like that's just, it's not going to happen that way. So I know these things keep coming up as postponed, but the reality is most of them are, are going to be canceled unless there's an easy, like, this team has, you know, a, a gap this week and that team has the same gap week and you could schedule a game on Wednesday that, you know, other than that, I mean, I don't see a lot of way to make up many of these games. So 
Uh, It's going to be interesting to see how it plays out. Hopefully they can get back in action on Wednesday. Uh, That would mean that, you know, probably back in practice by tomorrow. Right. And then, yeah, you're out the UCF game, but that at least gives you some time to get everybody back in a rhythm before you hopefully, you know, get into February and, and get through, you know, hopefully a stretch run. Um, so I don't know. I mean, I, it, just knowing the way the numbers are, I'm, I, I find it hard to be optimistic for Wednesday to even happen, but I guess we'll find out, you know, tomorrow, uh, when John talks to the media at two 30. All right, but both teams have different paths are going on, Rick. Obviously, Xavier's path is trying to get the best seed they can for the NCAA tournament because they're certainly well on the way to earning an at-large bid. We'll get to UC in a second because they're well on the way to obviously not, but what they need to accomplish to, to the rest of the, the year. So, so for Xavier, obviously, the goal is different than it is for UC at this point. But even with that, I mean, if you're a coach and you're that staff – you kind of have to keep pushing your guys in that direction of, listen, I don't care what's happened. Um, We're back to practice. We're back to playing games, whenever that may be. And we have to make the most of it. Right. Yeah. And I think for the teams that are in the mix that have had success, you know, I mean, Xavier's 10 and two right now, I think for a team like Xavier, their guys are eager to get back at it. They want to be on the court practicing. They want to play games as soon as possible. I don't know that it's going to be all that hard to get by. And now that doesn't make it easy on the guys. It's it's not a usual year. It's not as fun as it normally would be. I understand all that. But I don't think it's like Xavier's having issue getting buy-in or getting guys to lock back in because, like you said, I mean, they have everything in front of them. They've they've set themselves up for a really fun second half of the season and postseason. So I think they're in good shape. They just need to get on the court a lot. And I will to go back to your sort of last conversation with Chad, I will say as much as these coaches talk about, we'll play anyone, anytime, anywhere. We just want to get games in. I think we're also running into the same thing we saw at the beginning of the season where everyone said that and their exempt events were getting canceled. And then when that actually came time to schedule the games and Hey, this team that's in your region doesn't have a game. Why don't you bring them over to play? Eh, we don't really want to do that. That doesn't really set us up best. So I think it's a lot of the same things in conference play. These teams are like, yeah, we want to play anyone, anytime, anywhere, but do we want to play Villanova three times? Eh, no. Do we want to? No. <laughs> yeah. Do, do we want to play this team three times in our conference that we feel we should beat? No, we don't want to give them an extra chance to beat. So like, I think there's a lot of that still going on that even though, yeah, you might be able to make a game, the team still aren't going to be chomping at the bit to, to put themselves out in a situation that they don't feel is best for them. And when you have everyone looking out for their own best interests, it gets really hard to schedule games. I, and that's a great thing. A great question or great, great comment, because I'm, I'm dealing with that at the high school level, not just myself, but other high school varsity programs are dealing with this. And it feels like there's occasionally a team that goes, yeah, we can't play COVID. No, really? Is that, is that really right? Uh, okay. If it is, I, I can't call you on it, but okay, sure. Um, so in that regard, um, are, are teams using that as a convenient excuse? And is that, is that the right thing to do? Or I guess, I don't, I mean, is, it, is it right because you're doing right by your players, depending on the circumstance? I don't think it's even like they're using COVID as an excuse. I think what's happened is you get into COVID protocol. So a game gets postponed or what have you. And then everyone looks at the schedule in, in terms of outsiders and fans. And they say, well, wait, you're not playing on January 17th. And, 
they're Butler not isn't playing on January right. 17th. Why haven't you scheduled a game? It's only two hours apart. You can figure that out. But that's where the, the issues come in, right? When you get into the logistics of, but what does that do to the rest of our schedule? Right. And wait, are we just going right. to play Butler three times now? Well, we don't want to lose to Butler once. We're supposed to beat them twice. You know, that type of thing. I think that's what you're running into more than it is the actual people using COVID as an excuse. It's that when it comes time to try to make up a game or you, you reschedule a postponement or something, people really look out for their own best interests. You say should. I, yeah. And I, I, I do get that. I just, there's part of me that I, I don't know, man, I, I do get that, but I also go, you know what? Life is so short that do you want to have a season where you can play as many games as possible? Or do you want to play, have a season where you play 18 games? I mean, cause you don't get it back. I mean, you just don't. Well, right here's along, the thing. You just don't. I don't care. And, and like, honestly, if I was Xavier and I was 10 and two, I probably wouldn't be sit chilly. Get your one more game to get to 13 and be done with it. Well, I mean, I mean, honestly, do we think Xavier is like a dominant team this year? No, like they're kind of fortunate to be at 10 and two, if we're being honest. So I don't think they're a bad team. I think they're definitely a tournament team, but I don't think they should put themselves out. And I guess what it comes back to is, do you really care what coaches say or not in press conferences? And that that's the only issue here is it's like the coaches are going to tell you, Oh yeah, we're going to do everything we can to play as many games as possible. When in reality, that's not really true. So, I mean, that's the only annoying part is fans are like, hey, they said they're going to do everything they can to make these games up. And, well, unfortunately, I, I hate to tell you, they're really not going to do that. So, No, probably, well, probably right. Rick, you can correct me if I'm wrong on this, but it, it, from my perspective, like if you're Xavier, you're sitting, what, in, in most projections now somewhere between seven, eight, nine? I think it depends. It, I mean, I've seen them anywhere from 11 to 7. Yeah, yeah. So somewhere in that seven range down, one stupid decision just to get a game in could be really damaging if you lose that game. Like they're they're doing what they need to do in terms of getting themselves into the tournament. Scheduling Butler an extra time doesn't accomplish anything because Butler's not moving you up a seed line or down a seed line if you if you beat them and if you lose to them, it, it could be damaging. So. Yeah, absolutely. You have to do what's best for you, I think. Yeah, and that's what Xavier's always done. Like Mario Mercurio understands scheduling and the metrics and how this is going to play out better than just about anybody in that job from year to year. If I if I had to assess his performance over the last decade plus, I mean, you look at what Xavier's done with their schedules and how they've manipulated their non-conference and how that goes with their conference and even the transition from the A-10 and the Big East and how they had to change that manipulation. They've always done really well in the metrics and getting themselves in position for good seeds. So, I mean, I, I think they know what they're doing here. And I'd also add on top of that, I don't think knowing what they're what you're doing lends itself to rescheduling a lot of these games here after the fact. So I would tell you that Xavier's going to get to 13 games easily and, you know, they're going to play as many of these scheduled games as they can, but I don't know that they'll make any of them up. We, we looked at both, both leagues last week, so I don't want to do that again, but I'm going to ask you Chad about Con- and, uh, the, the team in your league uh, in the American. Um, and I had a friend of mine today was looking at some future bets and, and he was looking at some final four props, et cetera. And uh, he said, what do you think about Houston? And I said, you know what? Give me eight to one for final four. And believe it or not, they were like 10 to one. If I gave you those odds, you like them? No. No. Okay. Why? (sighs) Because we've seen, yeah, I mean, especially without Caleb Mills, we've seen how that style of basketball plays out in the tournament. I mean, they're they're still worried about beating McCronin. I mean, if we're being right. 
The whole, that, that's, the whole conference tried to beat Mick Cronin, and now none of them can beat the rest of the country. Yeah, and, and Houston's just – and I think if they still had Caleb Mills, I would be a, a lot more inclined to say they could be dangerous. Uh, but you, you took out your best scoring threat. I mean, I they rebound – they're an elite rebounding team. I think they're up to number two in the country in defensive efficiency. They're long. They're athletic. They get after it. But I just don't think they have enough scoring pop. I mean, they shoot the three. Sasser, well. They have a couple guys that shoot the three well, but they're not a team that spaces you really well. You know, they're good about. They get the guys shots that are that are good shooters, but they don't have really any any size that can space you. Um I okay, just, okay, but 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 in this year where last week we talked in terms of Gonzaga in the field, um, and it feels like that, and I, there's actually a prop bet. I think we you can't do it locally, unfortunately, because I I looked into this too, uh, but I think Vegas is offering this in certain sports books of Gonzaga going undefeated or not. Um, in this year where Gonzaga and Baylor have ascended, why not Houston? Why not some weird team? I just think they run into somebody I that can I didn't score. say to win at all, mind you. I didn't say win at all. I just said no. But, but you're talking about a Final Four, which is, I mean, that's you got to win four games to get there. Let's, let's yes. be, let, let me be honest. I'm much more interested in talking about Memphis potentially winning the American at plus four thousand. Okay, fair enough. I mean, forty to one odds for Memphis to win the American seems like much more realistic odds than Houston getting to the Final Four. If I'm looking at the it. regular season, uh, I, I no. like the fact that Ricky no, this is this is the tournament. I, I, yeah, I've, okay. I like the fact that you've already looked at that part of it, Rick. I didn't look at that, so I'm going to give you credit for looking at that part of it. Well, yeah, I mean, the, the American is just, to be to be quite honest, I don't think anyone in the American is very good except for Houston, and Houston is the most consistent of those teams, so they're clearly going to run away with the regular season. Yeah. But and I, realize I do think I, they're I, a team I have re- capable of being upset, and if they get upset, then after them, I think it's a total crapshoot. Like, I have no faith in SMU or Wichita State. Nope. And, and after that, I think it's wide open. So if I think Memphis has as much talent as anyone not named Houston in this conference right now. So them at plus 4,000 is a great odds, in my opinion. They're so bad offensively when you watch them at times, though. No, I get it. Look, they've been terrible. I'm not I'm not at all like saying I like Memphis's team. You like the, the value, the, the value. If There's we're talking value. about the best yeah. value pick, right. I'd rather right. not talk about Houston going to the final four. I'd rather talk about Memphis potentially winning the American Athletic Conference tournament. I and yeah, again, I, just, I, I applaud you for looking at the odds of that already. That is impressive. I, I just said over over a four game stretch, Houston's gonna have a bad game offensively that I don't know their defense can save. I mean, maybe the rebounding saves them. They do two things at an elite level. So that is something uh, to very much keep your eye on. But just offensively at times, there's such a slog still. Someone's going to hit threes against you in the tournament. That's just how yeah. it works. Yeah, I've been there. Uh, yeah, probably. I've read that book. I've yes, watched true. that movie yes. and the sequel <laughs> good, good, and the, good. the sequel to the sequel. Yeah, good point. Good point. Um, Kentucky looked like its season was completely falling apart uh, midweek when it lost to Georgia on an underneath out-of-bounds play. Came back to beat LSU, and I don't think LSU is very good, mind you, but, I, again, a win is a win, and uh, LSU is a, is a capable team. They just are a goofy team. Uh, if I were to tell you that LSU turned the ball over five times, that Kentucky made seven of 26 threes, would you have believed they win, not just win, but win by 13? I mean, LSU, I just don't think is very good. I, I, mean, they, they, I mean, 
Kentucky played with with more spacing. They played with a predominantly just one big on the floor most of the time. Yeah, and that's part. Not to cut you up, but that, I think that's a big part of it, Shay, because he's been playing a lot of the two bigs, and I think it's time to have gotten away from that because I, I, I it just felt like they didn't have that spacing because of the fact he was always playing two bigs. Yeah, I mean, we talked about that last week. I mean, yeah. I, and you know, it sounds like he is starting to listen to some of the analytics, you know, and people are. It sounds like it, the way he talks, it sounds like he got synergy for the first time. <laughs> Voila. Because, you know, oh, well, can you imagine when we have these five guys on the floor, we play better than at any other with any right. other combo. It's like did you you didn't somebody didn't your, your assistant didn't give you the Kenny Payne took the account with him to the NBA. He took the password with him. He forgot to give it to Cal. Yeah, well, he, like, forgot, he forgot. He forgot. He gave, he gave Cal the huddle account, but he didn't give him that account. <laughs> but don't you guys think this has I mean, it's coinciding right with Keon Brooks coming back. So you can actually play oh, yeah. a more normal yeah. line. I mean, like, I think this was always the goal is to play a normal lineup. No one wanted to play Isaiah Jackson and Olivia Isar at the same time. But when you had no other options, I think that's really what it got down to. And then Cal always tries to be a salesman about it. He instead of being honest with you. He tries to sell it to you and like, it's the greatest thing ever. And like, in reality, it wasn't. And now it's like, Hey, isn't this great too? And it's like, yeah, that's what we were all asking for the whole time. Like, why don't you play a smaller lineup? So, I mean, your point is right, but I just don't, I think it has everything to do with Keon Brooks being back. And I think Keon Brooks played well in this game. I also think Devin Askew wasn't terrible in this game. He actually, despite not, despite not scoring, but he does play 33 full minutes and only turns it over one time. Yeah. Like to me, that's the key for him is like, can he just give you some energy on defense, pass the ball, make a few plays and not turn the ball over because he's been so bad with just making the wrong plays and hurting you when he's been in the game. I don't know that he needs to play 33 minutes a game, but at least he wasn't turning the ball over while he was in there. Well, he's been a guy, and when he turns it over, he's turning it right, over. Right, live balls. Yeah, like, yeah, I don't, I don't care about turn, yeah, yeah, a walk here and a turnover there and a dribble off your foot there, it's the live ball stuff that just kills you. In yeah. fact, I think in that game, and give me a second because I'm looking, I, I've got bo- I got to look at the box score for two seconds. I want to say points off turnovers. Uh, LSU had eight points off turnovers. That's not awful. That's manageable. Very yeah. manageable. Yeah, and especially when you get like Brandon Boston to actually make a few shots. You know, I mean, like that was the other well, thing here is they had a few guys going on offense in a way that they don't normally have. Yeah, good, good, good point. But what have we seen? We Brandon Boston attacking driving lanes. There's not driving lanes when you have a guy standing on each block. So you've got Brandon Boston, his defender, Olivier Saar, Isaiah his Jackson, defender. their two defenders, right? Correct. Standing at the rim, waiting exactly. for Brandon Boston to come down the hill at you. You know, and and Cal. He talked about he went in in the first half on on a layup and just kind of like flipped it up at the rim, which is what he was doing earlier in the year when he's trying to score against six guys in the paint. Cal took him out, said, that's the old way you're playing. You're not playing that way uh, anymore. Get it out of your head. And the rest of the game, he's going up strong off two feet. He's attacking gaps that are actually gaps where he can get to the rim and get the ball in the basket. I mean, it's it, it, it all ties together into – not clogging the floor and, and and playing just an ugly brand of basketball like they were at the beginning of the year. Yeah, I, I don't disagree with you, Chad, at all about why they're playing. Yeah, you know, why their offense is a little bit better now than it was before. I, I just think the other option before, instead of playing Isaiah Jackson at the four with Olivier Saar, was putting in like Jacob Toppin, who is another non-skilled forward who just gives you some rebounding and energy. Like, you or know Deontay what I mean? Allen. 
there wasn't, well, yeah, you could have played Dante Allen, but you went way smaller. And that that's the whole issue with Cal right now is not playing Dante Allen and fans are mad at him for that. And I think rightfully so, but in Cal's case, he felt Keon Brooks needed to be that four man. And now that he's back, it does make their offense function at a more normal level, even if it's not perfect. No, I, I agree. I know Isaiah Jackson is, 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 is not coveted, but I know he's an NBA, a huge NBA prospect. And 15 and I, rebounds skinny in that game. I, well, I was going to say that that's where I was going with this. I, I'm not a huge fan. Um, I don't think he has any offensive ability, but he played 16 minutes. Think about this for a second. Less than a half of basketball. Think about this for a second. Less than a half of basketball, 16 minutes. And my man grabbed 15 rebounds. I, I'm not sure I've ever seen that. Guys that are over 6'10", that rebound out of area at his level and defend at his level, make a lot of money in the NBA. I know that. I'm just I, telling and, you, he's going to play in the no, NBA. No, you're right. I, 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 trust me, I'm, I'm dissing myself by bringing that point up. I, 15 rebounds in 16 minutes is insane. It's a joke. I mean, he does not fit well on this team for what they need, but he is a fantastic prospect. I love his game. And... I thought he took – LSU's bigs didn't look like they gave a ton of effort that that game. At well, least apparently, and, apparently nobody put a body on my man at some point. <laughs> well, he's – like Rick said, he's really good at out-of-area rebounds. Right, but so still. So if your effort isn't, isn't elite and keeping him away from the ball, he's going to go get the ball. And LSU just – like it looked like they read the scouting report and like they got the Cliffs Notes version. Like they I mean, didn't get the out of area. Like this guy is going to eat you alive if you don't track him while the ball's in the air. I mean, Trenton Watford did score like thirty points in this game or something. So I don't. I mean, I, I get what you're saying on the rebounding front, but yeah, like I don't want to act like LSU's bigs didn't show up at all because Watford was pretty. Damn no, good. I'm talking about when the ball was coming was off. It, the yeah, right. It didn't look yeah. like they were. It didn't look like they were aware that they had a guy that was that, that's really good out of area like he is as well. Isaiah Jackson is unreal. Yeah. That's, that, that, that's, it's incredible. It really he, is. What he does really well, no one else does like him. Now he's limited. He's very limited, but he does a few things at a very elite level, and he's 16. The, the perfect Mick Cronin player? <laughs> yeah, I mean, Mick never had an Isaiah Jackson, so yeah, that would have been I, I know, the perfect Mick Cronin player. Hey, can't my, score, but – it just eats on the glass, can defend, runs, plays Protects hard, the rim. Protects. Yeah, like he is the perfect McCronin player. Makes uh, owning the Pac-12 at the moment, boys. That's all I know. Yeah, oh, 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 oh. Hold on. We're going to say that after he lost to f- Stanford? Uh, He's I'm owning the Pac-12 after a loss to Stanford? It, what are we was doing first, here? That was, that, was their first, that was their first league loss. Trust me, they're not going undefeated in the Pac-12. It was to f- Stanford. It doesn't I mean, matter. They're no, it it, it the definitely Pac-12. does matter. On the road, dude. You don't think a team loses a game on the road in a league? Come on now, bro. I'm just saying they lost to Stanford. So okay. All right. Like well, let's let's cool our brakes on. They're taking over the Pac-12 if you're losing to Stanford. They're taking over the Pac-12. I'm just so gonna, like, and it's a bad league. Not don't get me wrong. It's a bad league, but they're taking. Just it gonna over. have it's a, a sip of my beer and let you guys <laughs> good, battle good this one out. Good, good call, Chad. All right, let's go to NKU. Uh, Rick, I actually got in the car last night. I was broadcasting a high school game and got in the car uh, late second half, I believe, to listen to the final part of the broadcast of the second game against Robert Morris. Uh, a great weekend for NKU. Man, it really was. I mean, coming off four straight losses, two to IUPUI, who has been in the basement of this conference the last <laughs> just few years. buried on back-to-back games Ooh. by Wright State. Oh, my right. gosh. So, I mean, it, it just feels about as bad as it can feel heading into this game, and or the series, rather, and 
they go to Robert Morris and Skinny, I'll be honest, like if A.J. Brown doesn't get my vote for player of the year in this conference, someone else is going to have to really, really wow me the rest of the way because he's as good as I've seen. I mean, he was fantastic in that first half on Friday night. I thought NKU adjusted to him well in the second half. And then it was a nice chess game on Saturday where they used him kind of as a decoy in the first half of that game. And he was distributing, making plays for a couple of shooters on their wings. Um, but then NKU adjusted to that as well and, and found their way out of a 17-point hole on Saturday to, to get their second straight road win at Robert Morris. It was uh, – some guys grew up. I think that was like one of those games where you got a lot of young guys – and they've been looking like young guys for a while, and then all of a sudden they find a way to win a couple of tough road games where they were facing adversity, and you don't know if it carries over, but it just feels like it right now. Like that was one of those those weekends where a couple of those young guys grew up and understood what it takes. Um, we, we talked, I think, during the week about this a little bit. I mean, it's obviously a one-bid league, and and you know, you look at some of their losses in it for a while in a vacuum. If you just looked up, you're like, oh, NKU, they're not very good. Um, but... Uh, they, they were competitive in a bunch of games they lost. Um, they're a young team. What could this weekend do for this team? And, and, and all this is all about, obviously, is getting to March and getting to the tournament. And it's a one-bid league and getting your momentum going. What does this do for this team? And the flip side, I will ask you then is, when I watched what Wright State did, did I went, it doesn't matter anyway. <laughs> well, I think there's two things that's, that are very clear. Wright State is the most talented team in the conference. They're the best team in the conference. I think Cleveland State is probably second best, but really because they're just so old and mature that they're the most consistent. I don't think they're much more talented than anyone else. In fact, I think after watching them, I thought NKU very easily could have won either one of those two games. So, But that being said, they deserve to be the second team in the conference. And then after that, I think there is zero separation. I don't think there is anyone that has any reason to claim they're better than the, you know, the, from from three to ten, maybe like IUPUI is probably at the bottom, uh, but after that, three to ten is wide open in my opinion. And I think you're just worried about getting better. And and UIC, Milwaukee, Green Bay, the next three weekends are all very winnable series for you. So uh, the biggest thing for them was just getting the offense back on track again. And I think they've kind of shifted to where Marquez Work, the freshman, has become their go-to scorer. You've got Trayvon Faulkner as the number two. And as long as you get someone out of freshman forward David Bam or Adam Alita, who's who's back again, or even maybe Adrian Nelson, who stepped up on Saturday at Robert Morris, your offense is okay. And you can go out and win a lot of ball games with the way you play defense and, and handle everything else. I know as an alum as you are, and obviously as a broadcaster, you've been on pins and needles the last couple of years when NKU was the best team. And it, it's good to be the best team because you obviously think you have the best chance, but there's also that pressure of can't blow it, can't blow it, can't blow it because it's a one bid league. This will be a little bit more refreshing, right? Just because you, if this team starts you know, circling in the right direction into, into March, at least you feel like a, a puncher's chance and B there's no pressure. It's just, this will be great if they can pull something like that off. Well, yeah, skinny. I mean, you look back to 2017, they weren't a highly ranked team going into the horizon league tournament. You know, they had had their issues um, with, without throughout that season, they finished, I think 12 and six in conference. Right. And then they end up winning the Horizon League tournament. They beat Wright State, Youngstown State, Milwaukee, and they go on to take on Kentucky in the first round that year. So it, it they've already shown, they already understand in this program that it doesn't require you to be the number one seed in the regular season. 
but I think a, a guy like Trayvon Faulkner, a guy like Adrian Nelson, even Bryson Langdon, who was around last year, you imagine some of the, the confidence and the understanding of where that team come postseason, where, where the guys in this conference rubs off on some of those guys from the Dantes Waltons and the, the um, Tyler Sharps and the Drew McDonald's. You hope some of that transfers over. And so we'll see what happens down the stretch. But this weekend was very encouraging from a, a maturity standpoint. All right. Lastly, for me, I, I'm sure you guys saw it this week and I'm still stunned by it. And it goes back to LSU. LSU played Alabama midweek. And uh, somebody tweeted out the shot chart from that game. There was two, two observations, actually, from the shot chart I saw. Uh, a, I'm going to ask you guys both, uh, did you see the shot chart? I did not. Yeah, I have no idea what you're talking about. Okay. So the shot chart from the Alabama-LSU game. And this is Alabama- uh, No, no, no. I saw Alabama's shot chart. Absolutely, yes. Okay, thank you. Yes, yes, okay. yes, 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 okay. yes. All right, Rick, if you didn't, I'll just explain I'm it. I'm Googling it. Go now. look at it. Go yeah, look it, at it. it. It's the most insane thing ever. Rick, so while, while 75 win. Yes, hold correct. On. All right, I got Rick, it pulled up right Rick, now. Rick. Yes. Have a towel ready. You might need it. Uh, yeah. So no mid-range jumpers. It's all threes, no. and there's like two Ducks. in the lane, and then no, no, it's it, it, no, it's it's more, yeah, it's it's more probably because you know stuff piles on top of each other at at the rim. So there's probably eight to ten to twelve shots right at the rim, dunks, layups, etc. Right. Literally not a mid-range shot in the game. Yeah. There's two uh, in the lane, like that are just inside the free throw line, and then oh, I didn't see those. There, the, the one I saw, and Chad, you can correct me if I'm wrong. The one I saw didn't have any of that. All well, it had two, was there's two missed shots just under the free throw line. Oh, I'm sorry. No, I'm makes. sorry. These He's are the makes. makes. Yeah, I'm sorry. Oh, okay. I, the one I saw was makes, Rick. Yeah, I'm gotcha, so sorry. Gotcha. You're right. Yeah. yeah. Well, was they makes. didn't even miss a shot that wasn't outside the lane or a three pointer. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So they the, everything that they made was a three or a layup or a dunk. And I realize analytics and where we are. That's the craziest thing I think I've ever seen. Yes or no? Or is that just where we are? That's Honestly, where we are. Well, here's the thing. Look at the LSU shot chart. Then nothing it's from not the corner. Different. No, 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 but how about nothing from the corner? Look at that one. That's the craziest one ever. They didn't have a make from either corner or either well, baseline. Well, that is weird. They're not a great shooting team, so they got a lot of driving going on and getting it from – they initiate their offense from the top. So I understand that to a certain extent. But, I mean, here's the only thing. Yeah, they took a few mid-range jumpers outside the lane, but all of them are misses. So it's like, yeah, they took yeah. a couple of those shots that you're talking about that are absent on the Alabama shot chart but they just missed them. I don't know that it's like most teams understand the highest percentage shots are either right at the rim or they're worth 50% more behind the three-point line. So you go out there because it's not much different in terms of the percentage. And that's why you see shot charts. I'll be honest. I don't think this is that different from oh, most I, shot charts you would see. In well, here's, what, here's what's different. From, from a make perspective, because there's like, you luck into a mid-range jumper for whatever reason, end of no. the shot clock. Well, curls, here's, what, here's what's different, Skinny. They hit 23 threes. Right. It's insane. Like, go back to the remember when Xavier hit 19 against Oklahoma, and we thought, that's the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen. I think, I think Alabama had 19 with, like, six minutes to go. And if you remember the Kentucky game for those for uh, you know when Alabama played them, I mean some of their threes they just it looks like it's almost a hoist. Like what are you doing? Bang, bang, bang! Yep. It was I mean I've never seen a higher degree hey, of difficulty three look, group in my life. This is the Rockets every game in the NBA. I realize I'm, that this ain't the NBA. Though. I agree. I agree. I'm I'm torn on this because I was a huge Nate Oates guy when he went after Coach K, and then I was a huge anti Nate Oates guy when he turtled. And uh, kiss Coach K's ass like Agreed. two days later. Agreed. So I want to be happy for what's happening with Alabama, but I also want to say, like, <laughs> no, like, you coward. You coward. And 
it's Coach K proved it again this weekend. Yeah, well, he may be a coward, but he's doing it his way with with, with what they're doing. Did you um, see this weekend? What? No, I'm, I'm I'm talking about LSU Alabama. I, I no, I did not see. I'm talking the, about uh, Coach K. Yeah, I did not see the the, the, the Louisville game. No. Well, so his after co- the Louisville game, a student reporter asked him basically, "What is next after this? You know, for for your program, what what do you do going forward?" And he just launches into a tirade and he did he say his back hurt no he asked the student like well you know we're just going to worry about this game first and assess this game like what happens if you take your hardest econ test you've ever taken in your entire life and and you fail it do do you want someone coming up to you ask you like what's next for you is that what you want and he's going on like that just being coach k like a total absolute Every time things don't go his way. And I don't understand why people reward this guy or celebrate this guy as like some great beacon of discipline and hope and the way to raise young men. Because I I think he is an absolute ass clown and he proves it time and time again. Anytime something doesn't go his way. He's not. Did we did we drop our PG rating this podcast? He is clearly the worst adversity I've ever seen. He really is. He, he, is, he is a terrible loser, and he's a protege of Bobby Knight, and it's not a surprise. There's some of that, yeah. yeah there's, that's a good point. There's, there's some of I, that. But, Skinny, you should have seen it when the kid – I mean, it's a fair question. Sure, right. What, well, what, even, what, if, even if it's not let, – like, let, let's just say it's a stupid question. And quite and honestly, it's a kid. Not a, it's a kid. And it's generic. Knew, and, he, and he knew it was a student reporter because right. he asked him, what's your he major? He asked – that was what I was going to get to immediately. He's like, well, let me ask, what's your major? And the kid paused for a second, like – well, he's probably why, muting why, himself like you're supposed to right. do on a Zoom after after you ask your question. Yeah. Uh, uh, and he came back again. What what's your major, son? Shut up. Yeah, that's, he's a total class. I mean, like this is a joke. He did it with the Dylan Brooks thing when Oregon beat him. Uh, like it's just always something. Whenever he loses, he has to call someone else out. And it's always like when it's not him losing, he wants to call everyone else out for not being classy and not doing the things the right way. And then anytime his team loses, He's the one making a fool of himself. I don't understand why people like this guy at all. That's the part that's that's awful is that it's always like respect the game, respect the sanctity of the game when he's winning. But when he's losing, he's an ass clown. Yeah, no, you're exactly no right on that. No question. I'll give you I'll give you guys a quick story because it it's it's the old man moment of the podcast. But this was back when I was a I actually did uh, student radio at UK and I, I was uh, the play by play broadcaster my senior year. It was a big deal to get that gig and uh i worked for the kentucky colonel of student newspaper and part of that was i got a chance to go to joe hall's media luncheon every week this is when james blackman was it was a freshman um and james had been playing pretty well at one stage and then all of a sudden he started falling out of the lineup for whatever reason and looked like he was really struggling struggling with his confidence and so i muster up the 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 energy and the uh, the enthusiasm and the guts to ask and this was this was a, there was no no uh, podium and i mean we we literally sat around a giant oak table literally it was like you were sitting at a family dinner there was a luncheon so you'd sit around this big God, oh, you're table old as i am and joe hall would sit at one end of it and so i thought i'm going to ask about james blackman's development so i said Coach, um, you know, is, is there any concern that, the, you know, the fact that James hasn't played much lately, that it, it's going to affect his development at all, blah, blah, blah. And he assassinated. I mean, he just buried me. I'm not worried about development. I'm worried about winning games. What, what, where are you from? I said, I told him, I said, he said, well, that's just a stupid question. So there was a pause and God love Jerry Tipton. And I know Jerry, a lot of Kentucky fans don't like, but I've always been a big fan of Jerry. And he and I have gotten along for a long time and 
There was a pause. Let's tell you, Jerry's still covering the team. This is 1980-84-85 season. And Jerry, after a pause, goes, well, has it hurt his development? And he answers Jerry's question after he dissed me. I thought, all right, well, there's a level of respect there that I just don't have yet, and I'm okay with it. But, man. But that's such a clown move, though. I know that. And I'm not so sure I didn't crap my pants. And I'll give Jerry. Jerry came over to me. He goes, hey, man. He goes, that was a great question. I just wanted to let you know that, which I thought was great of Jerry because, you know, I'm a kid. He's, you know, he's covering the team. He wasn't. I mean, Jerry's not. He's 70 ish. He's probably 32, 33 at the time, but he'd been covering the team. So I thought it was great at Jerry, but I, at the time, and you can imagine, I'm sure Rick, you, both of you guys have been in that spot where you're like, I can't ask this. I can't ask this. I can't ask this. Yeah. I'm going to go ahead and ask it and just see where it goes. And man, to, to, to get the response I got and then to have some, you know, professional take up for me, I thought, okay, I, I guess I'm not so stupid after all. Well, I had never have a problem with a coach deeming questions stupid Correct. and just for, either deciding for, for somebody I, for somebody that, you know, that's on the beat, though. Right. I mean, somebody, well, you either, know, is better thing, than that. I don't even care about that. It could be someone you see every day and look, you're just tired of them. You lost another game. No, 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 no. And, that's my point is, is I don't have a problem with if somebody that you've it's been on the beat and you know them. And you're like, come on, man, that's so stupid. I'm good well, with that. Again, not, re, not reg- a kid. Regardless of the situation, I never have a problem with them pointing out like if it's a stupid question, and they don't want to answer it and they just blow it off. I have no issue with just blowing it off. The thing is, he made a scene and wanted to call this kid out for no reason. Like, why make a bigger if it's a stupid question, just move on from it as quickly as possible. Why make a bigger scene and just make yourself look stupid? Like, I don't understand how this makes him look good at all or how this like helps anybody. It's just a clown move to do. And he's belittling a student reporter who's just trying to get started in his career. There's nothing about this that is cool, that is a good move that is defendable. And then you look at the comments and there's all these people that are defending the sanctity of, of course. Coach K and why he's doing it. It's yes, like, he's course. well within his rights. It's just, it's so dumb to me. I don't get it at all. And it wasn't a stupid question. It was a legitimate whatever. question. You're yeah. struggling. Like you're struggling. You lost again. Like where, what, where is this team? Like what, what is next for this team? Where, where are you trying to get with, you know, the struggles that you're having right now? But I was just going to ask about it. But I I also completely understand as a coach, you saying right after a loss being like, I don't don't know. It's like, it's such a general question, man. I have no idea. Or, 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 you know, the answer is, you know, we're going to, you know, where the next thing is for us, we're getting on the plane and we're going home. That's that's that. We're going to get back in the gym. Try to get back. We're on to Clemson. We're on to Clemson. Exactly. Whoever, you know, it's that that's all it takes. I mean, like just move on from it, but like why call a student reporter out? That's so dumb. Yeah. Fair enough. Fair enough. All right, Chad, you got any final thought? Uh, maybe the, uh, two crazy stats and I'm going to switch to a little football here. Okay. Two crazy stats. I saw today. Wait, uh, is this, is this like short people playing football or what do you mean by a little football? Uh, a little football, uh, topic two okay. foot, two small football topics. Okay. Uh, when Tom Brady won his first Super Bowl in 2002, Pat Mahomes and Josh Allen were in kindergarten. That's hilarious. That's great. That's hilarious. I did not also, see that. Also, Drew Brees has won one NFC championship game. Aaron Rodgers has won one NFC championship I, game. Tom Brady has now won one NFC championship. Uh, game. And that, that's why he is the G-O-A-T, correct? It's not close. I'm Okay, I, I've entertained this for a long time, that, that Aaron Rodgers is the best quarterback of all time. Tom Brady is the greatest quarterback of all time. It's Tom Brady. He's the best football player ever. 
And I'm not a Patriots guy. I'm not a Tom Brady guy. But, I mean, what? This was his 14th conference championship game. The next best in, in football history is Joe Montana with seven. And, and the part is, this isn't like, and listen, Tampa's got dudes, and they went and got dudes yeah, and all those things. But here's the point. Dude, Good for them. Where, where were they last year? Tom Brady literally just went, huh, who do I want to take to the Super Bowl next yes, year? Yes. These yes. guys, we'll take them. And I'm going to do it in the NFC, and I'm going to beat Braid, uh, Breeze to get there, and I'm going to beat Rodgers to get there, and I'm going to do it both on the road. Un- and it- it's unreal. They, they added a couple of older weapons for him, but let's be yeah, honest, those weapons could have been had by almost anybody that was in contention. It's not like it was, you know, coveted Leonard prospects. Fournette? Yeah, I mean, come on. So uh, Tom Brady did more to cement his legacy with this trip to the Super Bowl, in my opinion, than probably the last two Super Bowls he won. Because there yeah, was so it- much of that, like... It's it, it's probably Belichick. It's really Belichick. It's the Patriots magic. It's that whole franchise, whatever. Is that over? Did he win? I don't think people believed Brady was going to go down to Tampa and do this again. And he did it and he made it look easy. Like he was so freaking good the last two weekends. He's unbelievable. Yeah, did I mean, he despite, the despite, despite did the, he answer the Brady Belichick question. Yes, yeah. co- completely. Completely. I think he did yes, completely. No question. I don't even think there's an argument to be made anymore on the other side. I don't either. I don't either. He's that right. good. Rick, do you got any final thought? No, I think I think that's plenty. All right, that's, I like it. I appreciate that. All right, boys. We squeezed somehow 45 minutes out of this, despite Xavier not playing, UC not playing, and God knows if they'll ever play again. Hopefully, we'll find out tomorrow from John Brand that they shut the season down and all's right with the <laughs> world, and we call it again. No, hopefully that doesn't take place. I want UC to keep playing. I know you do too, Chad. I, yeah, I, I run a, a business that relies on content that yeah, from, you think? from sporting events. And uh, I, I was joking with Mo Eiger t- yesterday if we were going to bring back five unpaid minutes, which is a segment that yes. we did every, yes. every day uh, during the beginning of the pandemic because there was no sports to talk about. And we're back there and it's 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 sad. Yeah, you, 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 it's you sad. You, yeah, we need something for goodness sakes. All right, boys, I appreciate it as always. We'll be back next Sunday, hopefully with some more basketball conversation, we think. Uh, for I wouldn't, Moringa, I wouldn't hold your breath on the Bearcats. <laughs> Good point. Musketeer Report, Chad Bandrell, BearcatGeneral.com. I'm Richard Skinner. It's been the Skinny Podcast, the weekly college basketball edition.